Hi, I'm Tara. And I'm Steph. And we're from Kobo Writing Life, Kobo's free, fast and easy self-publishing platform. KWL was built by authors for authors. And our team of dedicated book lovers is always working hard to help authors reach new readers around the world. With Kobo Writing Life, authors can now publish audiobooks and ebooks right in their KWL account. We don't ask for exclusivity and you'll always control your pricing in up to 16 currencies. You can also create a pre-order for your audio and ebooks with no date limitations. We have a lot of great promotional opportunities for Kobo Writing Life authors available in the promotions tab right in their KWL dashboard. If you're an author and you don't have access to the promotions or audiobooks tab, email us at writinglife@kobo.com and we'll get you sorted. We're all about providing excellent support. Create your free account today at kobo.com/writinglife. If you want to learn more about Kobo Writing Life, check out our blog, podcast, and find us on social. Happy writing! Whether you are traditionally published or indie, writing a good book is only the first step in becoming a successful author. The days of just turning a manuscript into your editor and walking away are gone. If you want to succeed in today's publishing world, you need to understand every aspect of the business: editing, formatting, marketing, contracts. It all starts with a good book. Then the real work begins. Join international best-selling author JD Barker and indie powerhouse Jay Thorne as they gain unique insight and valuable advice from the most prolific and accomplished authors in the business. The publishing world is changing, adapting. Do you have what it takes to become a full-time writer? If you're willing to do the work, we'll give you the tools. Get your notepad out. School's in session. This is Writers Inc. All right, fellas, what's up? We're here for the live monthly Q and A. Uh, JD, you made it, man. You had some, you had some problems getting in. Yeah, technological errors. And and what's up with that woman's voice? Like, I don't know if everybody could hear that, but like the recording comes on and says, "This meeting is being recorded," and she's at like twenty thousand decibels <laughs> higher than the rest of us. Yeah, that so, was one yeah. of those nice features that Zoom added for us. It's lovely. Yeah. Everyone loves it. Yeah. Thank, thanks for that, Zoom. <laughs> I'm sure no one's heard that. No one uses Zoom. No, 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 why would they? That's so 2020. <laughs> <laughs> it's a typical no, day here at my house. I'm, I'm still chasing contractors. We're still trying to get our porch done. And like they, they've got literally like three hours worth of work left to do. And like nobody showed up today. Wow. <laughs> so, Is the weather yeah, nice? They play in hooky? It's gorgeous. That's why. It's go- that's why. Yeah. That, that's probably it. And like last week's excuse was, well, it's raining, but like the stuff they have to do is underneath the roof, you know? So like I, I, I give up, like, I just, I'm hoping sooner or later they get it done. But like my landscaper keeps drive, driving by. I just saw his truck pulling in and out again. Cause like, he's anxious to get going on what he needs to do and he can't start it until they, they wrap up. So it's a, it's a giant domino effect of, of things just falling apart slowly all around me. Dude, nobody wants to work. I, I'm, yeah, I'm that, being that's, serious. that's the thing. No, that, that you're you're totally right on that. Like I talked to these guys and they actually drive in two hours to, to get to my house to work on this porch. And that's that's why they're cutting out at like one o'clock because you know, they have to drive so far back. And I had somebody here from Lowe's today finishing up some stuff in our kitchen. And, and he told me that like everybody he knows, like they're, they're all coming in from two to three hours away. And it's near impossible to get anybody to do any kind of like skilled labor labor right now. Like nobody, nobody wants to do that. Um yeah, so it's like, I guess everybody's, you know, they're collecting those checks from the government and enjoying, you know, time at home. Yeah, I mean, I contacted two uh, paint companies uh, to paint the exterior of my house. Both of them were booked through the rest of 2021. And they said they can't, they can't do the work because they can't hire people. No one, no one will take a job. I mean, they're, they're offering like $50 an hour to paint houses with a $15,000 signing bonus and they can't get a crew together. Yeah, that that part kills me. Like, yeah, the going rate for painters is forty to sixty dollars an hour to paint. 
<laughs> yeah. But yeah, so it, it kind of, you know, if you think about construction across the board, you know, like painting is fairly, you know, entry level. So, you know, think about the, the skilled guys, the carpenters and, you know, like plumbers right now are, are you know, they're having a field day. But um, any of that kind of stuff. So if, if anybody is, if you're 18 years old and you're in, and about to graduate high school and you're trying to make a career choice, forget college. Go and go into one of these trades because you can make a nice paycheck and, um, you know, kind of you know, call your own hours. So yeah. Plus the uh, <clears throat> plus the materials are like super mm -hmm. expensive right now too. Like, I mean, a, a, an untreated piece, piece like two by four right now is like through the freaking roof, <laughs> you know? So just even getting the materials and stuff is, uh, <clears throat> it, it is crazy. So yeah. yeah, I got that call the other day from the guys that are supposed to build our, our garage and he, he bumped it up by another 15 grand because of material costs that. <laughs> yeah. You know, then surprised me. Yeah. From the time we signed, I mean, it's only been like four or five months from the time that, you know, like we, we signed that contract till now, but that's, that's where it's at. Wow. Well, coming up on this edition of HGTV podcast. <laughs> I was about to say, who we got today, Jage? Bob Vila? There's, there's a blast from the past. I can't help it. My whole life revolves around construction at this point. <laughs> no, we have uh, we have our monthly Q&A today. So we're going we're gonna to bring in some listeners to answer some questions. We have a nice bank of uh, pre-submitted questions from our patrons that Zach will be uh, rifling through with us. Uh, we just want to give a um, quick shout out here to Rebecca Bryan. Rebecca Bryan is a new uh, patron. So thank you, Rebecca. Always great to have you on board. If she you, actually upped her pledge. She upped she, her pledge. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Um, I don't want her getting upset thinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And so if you're interested in, in becoming a patron or upping your pledge, you can do that at patreon.com slash writers Inc podcast. Also want to mention that uh, we haven't set a, a final sale date yet, but that's coming soon for the Career Author Summit. So if you're interested, we still have tickets available. Uh, we have virtual and in-person tickets, and you can you can move back and forth between them. D uh, doesn't matter which one you buy, but that deadline, those tickets are not going to be available for much longer. So if you're interested, head on over to thecareerauthor.com slash summit, and you can grab your ticket. All right. Any other announcements or business that we need to take care of, guys? I think I'm good. Let's knock out some questions. All right. So let me bring in our uh, listeners. Don't, we need some like waiting music or something. Is I could go ahead and ask a in. question. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, well, yeah. Why don't we, as we're bringing people in, Zach, why don't you kick us off and we can start answering some questions and then uh, we'll open it up to the people on the call live. All right. So uh, I'll start with this first one here from Deanna. Um, Deanna says, I know Jay has tried doing a dialogue only first draft. And I'd love to know what you think now. Will this be part of your normal process going forward? I'm trying it myself now after a conversation with Jeff Elkins. I can definitely see that benefit, but it's taken me a lot longer. Any tips to share? Thank you. That's all you guys on that one. Well, I, I, there's something I, I kind of want to start at the back end of that. I'm, I'm curious as to why she said it's taking her a lot longer. For It took me a lot less time to, to do dialogue only because I wasn't concerned with the setting and the narration and, 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 uh, and all those details. And I was just focusing on the conversation. So I, I want to know why that that's interesting to me. Um, I could see how it would take me longer. Really? Yeah, I, I really do. Just cause I feel like uh, I wouldn't be, I don't, it's, it's, I can't even articulate why, like, and I haven't tried it, so I could be totally wrong, but I feel like uh, there, I wouldn't be setting the scene 
like, so it'd be, I don't know, it'd be harder for me to get into that conversation, but I've never tried it. So I don't like, I could be totally wrong. I might fly through it and I could definitely see why it would take less time. Well, I want to, I want to kick it to JD because he, he was the one who made that recommendation for me. And then, uh, and Jeff, Jeff Elkins helped me with it, but JD was the one who said, Hey, just write it like a, like a movie script. Just don't worry about anything except dialogue. Um, and I, I, next novel, I mean, I think that's going to be my plan. I think I'm going, it's hard to say beyond the next project, but for the next project, I plan on starting with the dialogue only first draft. Yeah. So honestly, that that's an exercise that I tend to throw on you know people that I'm, that I'm mentoring when I find that they don't have enough dialogue in their, their story or the dialogue isn't actually carrying the story. Um, so that could be why she's actually having trouble. And, and it doesn't work for every particular story. I mean, obviously, if you've got, you know, one character, you know, and you're in that one particular character's head or it's a solo type thing and they're not interacting with a whole lot of other people, it, it makes it a lot more difficult. So it doesn't work for every particular um, script or, or screenplay or, or, or story um, with, with yours. Jay, I mean, I, it would just, it seemed like the logical way to go because of the, you've got a, a fairly decent sized cast, um, you know, and when you've got multiple people like that, like the dialogue, at least in my mind is what really needs to carry the story forward. I mean, you still have to have an understanding of, you know, where they're physically at and what's happening around them in their environment, but it's those particular words that, that really need to, to fuel everything. Um, so that's why we went there. I'm guessing that's probably why she's having trouble with it. Either she didn't write a whole lot of dialogue in the past and everything was, you know, a lot, lot, lot more other, you know, other things going on. Um, or she's just working in a scenario where she's got one character and maybe two in the room and it's just, you know, that much more difficult in order to do. Um, so th that would be my guess without actually seeing it. Interesting. You know, you know, it's funny. I mean, just to, just to kind of touch on that a little bit, you know, we, we've been going through, um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff happening with, with, um, callers game right now on the film side, and we've been going through screenwriters and, and they submit material. And one of the ones that I actually got last night was a, a woman who does, um, she, she's got a couple of scripts behind her and there, there's one, um, that's in development, I believe over at universal. Um, but she cut her chops writing, uh, plays in New York. Um, and like, I, I find that like her dialogue, like I read through her samples and it, it is it's so snappy and so, you know, spot on. Um, and the story moves really well. And I started thinking about it last night after I read it, you know, some of my favorite movies started off as plays. Um, you know, so I think in a, in a lot of ways, like that kind of forces the, the hand, you know, because if you have to write a play, you know, obviously all the action has to take place on the stage, you know, so you can't be, you, you can't run around from location to location, you know, not as easily. I mean, they can obviously change sets, but you know, your, your focus is kind of staying in that same room and the dialogue really has to drive it. So it, it's a unique thing. I, I think, you know, everybody should try to write a dialogue only at, at some point because you can always, you can always build on it you can always make it better but you know that that's that's the meat of it i think of every story it comes down to characters and you know and in the end the characters you know dialogue what they're saying to each other is, is what really you know, drags people along and you know, causes them to flip those pages right on <clears throat> well i'm going to jump to one more question here and then i want to go to Catherine because i know she always asks great questions and she's here so uh but i'm, I'm going to grab this one from kim really quick um Kim Barton says, I'll be releasing the final book in a trilogy soon. And I'm thinking about whether to start some paid advertising. I'd start with services like BookBub or the Fussy Librarian to test the waters. Uh, since the trilogy will be complete and I can get read through, is this a good idea or should I wait until I have a few more books out? Thanks. Um, I'll, I guess I'll answer this one because I have longer series than the two of you do. And then you guys can chime in as well. Um, uh, personally for me, like I, um, like I will always be running like Amazon ads on the books. Like even early on, if it's the only book in the series, 
I do like running Amazon ads on that first book. And, you know, a lot of times I'll do mailing list swaps on the first book to really get some traction to get people into the series. But I'm really hesitant about when I start trying to get BookBub, Fussy Librarian, E-Reader News Today and all that stuff, because you can only hit those sites so many times before you're just hitting, like BookBub does refresh their list a lot, but even them, you're going to get diminishing returns um, if, if you get multiple featured deals with them. So um, I think what you're doing here, like waiting till you have your whole trilogy out is smart. Um, because it'll give you a couple different options. You can either try to get a deal on the first book and hope for a read through, um, and which you will get. I mean, that's another thing. When I get, when I've gotten a book bub on my the first book of my Empty Body series, which is seven books, you'll be surprised how many people will just buy every single book in the series when they get the deal book. Like, I mean, you'll some people will just buy the whole series. Um, so I think having that, and you'll also get that long tail for a couple of months of people reading through your series. So I think the more books you have out in your series, the better. Um, uh, I usually try to wait until I have about four books out in a series before I really start trying to go after book bub and stuff. Um, other option you have is that you could box it up and you could sell the trilogy and then try to get a deal on that as well. And, uh, usually getting a deal on a box set is easier with BookBub than it is with uh, um, a single book, at least in my experience, it, it seems like it is. Cause usually you can price those higher and it'll, it'll look like a better deal. It's a better value. So um, that's kind of my deal with it. Um, JD, Jay, you guys have any thoughts? JD. Um, yeah. You don't advertise, do you, Jay? Not much. Um, no. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm kind of in a tricky boat here because the only series that I have is my 4MK series. And those first two books out of the three are, are owned by HMH, which I guess is HarperCollins now. I, I actually noticed the signature on their emails changed like a week ago. Um, I, I've been really lucky there, though, because they've been very open to working with me on all types of different, you know, advertising venues. You know, the, the, they've got all three books um, in Kindle Unlimited, you know, which is, you know, something HarperCollins doesn't do. And I'm still curious if they're going to allow them to stay in there. Um, and I just talked to them a, a couple days ago about doing uh, Goodreads giveaways um, because I, I did one for a caller's game just to test the waters. You know, I, I haven't really done them since Goodreads started charging for that. Um, and it's anywhere from 120 bucks to I think four or 500, depending on which package you, you pick. Um, but they'll allow you to give away up to 100 eBooks um, all in one shot. And the cool thing about that is you don't have to pay for them, you know, because Goodreads is owned by Amazon. Um, the other cool thing is it actually impacts your rank because you've got, a, you know, 100 books that are, you know, basically treated as a sale or, or however they, they, you know, deal with that. Um, on the day that they hit, you know, so it brings your rank up and that obviously exposes you and the algos a little bit better. So it all kind of works together. Um, so I had a conversation with HMH about, you know, me actually paying for the Goodreads giveaways just to see how it works. Um, if they're willing to give away a hundred eBooks a week, because they have to actually pull the trigger on that. It's not my eBook, so I can't do it. Um, and it sounds like we're going to, we're going to do that. Um, so I'll, you know, wait and see how, how it works out. Um, as far as the, the things like fussy librarian and those types of things, I tend to follow Amazon's lead on, on the stuff that I I've got the ability to change pricing on. So I, I'm enrolled in, you know, all of their, their different programs. So when I get the email saying that they'd like to include it in a Kindle uh, daily deal and discount it, um, then I usually work from that date to figure out what dates they're, they're going to discount the book. And then I'll go out and I'll get a book bub and I'll get fussy librarian and I'll, I'll, I'll grab as many of those as I possibly can. Um, but like Zach said, you know, you, it, that's one of those wells, you know, every time you hit it, you know, you get a diminishing return. It's less and less, you know, people. Um, and also on the, the tail end of that, and I don't know if Zach's noticed this too, but you know, your, your 
just normal buys drop after you come out of something like that when you go back to full price you know people see it at that discounted price you know they they either expect it there or they pick it up at that price but i always see a good month or two you know before the book really gets back to where it was before as far as selling on a regular basis um and it could be because of my price point too most of my books are around ten dollars yeah i think that might be part of it probably yeah i I don't have anything in the, the lower range but um yeah, I mean, I the the biggest book bub I've ever had was for Forsaken, and that was around 2015 when BookBub was really a, a big, you know, big strong player, and they they still are, but like I they don't seem to move the needle quite as much. And I don't think it's because they're you know they're still moving a lot of books, but I think the algos have changed. The way Amazon tracks that has has changed quite a bit. Um, so yeah, you just have to adapt and, and go with it. Awesome. All right, Catherine. Um, I know you always have great questions, so I'm curious. So uh, what you got for us today? I think you're muted. There we go. Um, yeah, it's funny that the dialogue, uh, writing the dialogue first came up today because I heard that at some point in one of your podcasts as a suggestion and I tried it and changed my writing and for the better, like unbelievably. So um, what I'm thinking too is um, what do you guys, what have you recently t- tweaked or discovered about your craft or process that's new? Jay, you want to start there? Yeah, I think um, generally speaking, I've I've started from more of a character-focused place than a plot-centered place. That's been a, a change for me. I, I still I still enjoy thinking about the pillars of the story and kind of knowing where I want it to go. But I've gotten much looser. I've moved more towards the middle of the spectrum of the pantser plotter. I'm not hardcore in either, and I think in that transition, I'm focusing more on characters. And, uh, and that, uh, that's allowed me to also create more unique voices. And as JD mentioned in, in the manuscript that I have, that's on his desk, it's, it's a, like, a, it's basically an eight to 10 character cast. I, I have to differentiate those voices. They can't all sound the same or else it's going to be completely boring. So in the projects I'm working on right now for Vela, I'm, I'm using that same approach and I put more time into character building than I, than I've ever have before. And uh, not, not to the expense of plot, but I think it's helped to give me a more rounded perspective and uh, a more holistic approach to storytelling instead of just focusing on the plot. Interesting. Yeah, I, I honestly, I have a very similar answer. Like I, um, um, I feel like I've always put like, I mean, just from working with you, I feel like I've, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like I have always put a little bit more in the character, but like I'm deaf, I'm really doing that a lot more now and really trying to double down and, and do that a lot more. So um, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at too. What about you, Jay? Do you have anything you've been kind of just been iterating uh, or changing or I'm, tr- I'm trying to get Patterson's voice out of my head long enough to get another <laughs> book done. <laughs> you know, I'm so used to when I, when I work with him, you know, we're on the phone, you know, sometimes a couple of times a day and we're going over everything and, you know, he's telling me what needs to be tweaked and what needs to be changed. And he's telling me how he would do it or, or he's just doing it. And he's sending me his pages and vice versa. So when I jump into a book, that's totally on my own, it's like, you know, stepping into this void where all of a sudden that's not there anymore. Um, and you know, my voice when I write by myself is, is, is slightly different too. I'll, I'll take a little bit more time to, you know, for a scene, you know, like his scenes tend to be around a thousand to 1200 words. Mine tend to be around 2000 to 2500. Um, so I tend to see that transition happen. Um, the character thing, I mean, I think that's always going to be key for, for, for me anyway. I mean, I'm just always trying to perfect that. I mean, I, I, 
you know, the dialogue only thing, it's not something unique that I, I put out there with Jay. I, I try it on my own. A lot of times I'll just take the dialogue out of a scene and just drop it in a word doc all by itself. And then I'll hit the little autoplay, you know, function where it'll read it to you. And I, I listen to it back and make sure that, you know, without any dialogue tags, without anything else, you know, I, I can tell, you know, distinguish between those characters voices. I know who is speaking. And if, you know, if sentences feel like they're running together or I can't tell, then I go in and I tweak them until I can. Um, and things like that. I mean, it's, it's always going to be about the characters, I think for me, and, and, you know, characters first, you know, plot, you know, very close second. Nice. Interesting. Oh. Cool. Good question. Well, cool. thanks. Awesome. Uh, let's see, let's go to um, one here from Jeanette. Uh, Jeanette says, my question is about chapter slash episodes and serialized fiction. I have a space opera trilogy almost ready to go and have decided to release it in a serialized version first as an experiment. Um, she said she's using Substack instead of Vela because she's Canadian. <laughs> um, is a chapter a chapter regardless of how it's released or should I reconsider the arc of my chapters for each format? I think that's a, it's probably a good J question right now because you're in serial mode right now. Yeah, a chapter is definitely not a chapter. <laughs> uh, I, I think the, the format um, plays a big role in, in the way you approach the structure of a scene or chapter. Uh, I'm guessing everyone here is going to back me up on this, but like if you think about the difference between the story arc in a movie versus the story arc in a serialized television show, it's very different. Like you might still get to the same place at the end, uh, but, but serialized stuff, especially, and, and I've been doing a lot of reading and, and uh, practicing on, on the serialized stuff for Vela. And uh, you know, you have to be much more cliffhangery at the end. <laughs> like you, you've got, there, there's gotta be something to force the next episode, the, the next, wh whatever it happens to be. So um no, I, I don't think it's. I don't think they're equivalent, and and I and even even on Amazon site, they they basically say like you can't just take a novel and chop it up and put it on Vela. Like that's that it's it's a different medium in in a way. And I think uh, uh, I don't know exactly what the formula is or if there is one, but they're they're definitely not the same in my opinion. You know, honestly, that, that it's been around a really long time. Like, I'm, I'm a huge uh, Charles Dickens fan. That was, you know, some of the first books that I read. Um, and that's how he was actually published. Like, he wrote serialized novels. And, you know, every you know newspaper, they, they ran a different um, section. I've got a book around here somewhere, and I can't remember the exact title of it, but they actually printed, um, like, Great Expectations in the serialized fashion. And the, the breaks are different than they are if you were to pick up the, you know, just a, the book version of it, you know, and, and see the chapter breaks. Um, so even whoever put that together, like, that was a conscious decision um the cliffhanger i think is huge you know back then you know people had to wait a week before they got the next installment so you know he left it with a cliffhanger because he wanted everybody talking about it you know as, as they were going about their day and about their week and i think this is no different you know it, it might even be more important because you know if you need them to come back you know and, and the more time that happens the the harder that's going to be for you know for them to do it you know it's, it's almost like watching the serialized shows right now that you know like you know, I'm watching Lisey's story on Apple TV, you know, they're rolling that out one episode per week. Um, you know, they've got to come up with a hook at the end of each of those. It's just strong enough to make you willing to come back a whole week later, because, you know, in today's world, that's a long time when you're used to binge watching a show and being able to pour through them. Um, so yeah, it's all about laying that hook. Nice. All right. This is another Jay Thorne question. Um, I'll, I'll get this one. Then we'll try to get, I want to see if Catherine has something else. Then we'll try to get one or two of Chris Wills. Of course he has a whole list of questions. So, um, but uh, this is a Jay Thorne question here. Re Rebecca Bryan asked, uh, what's the best way to get started offering author services? A uh, great question. 
very, very simple answer. Uh, Go to my website. At, <laughs> get my free masterclass my, in webinar. I have this totally online course. All I'm going to sell you for five hundred. No, I'm kidding. Five ninety seven. Uh, yeah, five ninety seven. We'll teach you all you need to know. Uh, now the the easiest thing to do, Rebecca. The best, not the easiest, but the best thing to do. What I would do is determine the service that you want to offer, and then go to your friends, your author friends, and say, "I'll do this for you for free in exchange for feedback and a testimonial." That's that's the best thing to do because you're gonna you're gonna find out is it is it a service that's worthwhile? Um, what are the problems? Um, what are what are your blind spots? They're gonna you know friends are gonna tell you like well you know I didn't really I, I thought you were offering A and you gave me B. Um, that's what I would do first. So you don't need a logo, you don't need a website, you don't need a PayPal account, you don't need to form an LLC. Just start by by defining your your rough idea. With the understanding that it's probably going to change, it's not going to look exactly the way it does uh, when, when you launch it. And then go to if you're in a writer community. I know Rebecca's in, in my writing community, and just offer to people. And as I said, do it do it in exchange for feedback and a testimonial. And that's that's going to give you so much more information about where to start. Now that's um, it's it's quickly becoming a very crowded space, right? There's a lot of people out there doing that sort of thing. So if I were going to throw any type of caveat on that, I w I would say you know get out there, and make a list of what everybody else is actually doing right now, and try to come up with something that that's unique that doesn't exist yet in that particular world. Just so when you do go out there with something live, you stand out a little bit. Yeah, having having your own angle, um, I I totally agree, and I think I know where Rebecca's going. Um, she's doing stuff with like branding and platform. I, I I'm guessing that's what she's talking about, but absolutely, like you know. Um, e even like w when I started doing developmental editing, my, my quote unquote edge or angle was being story grid certified. Like that was what differentiated me and it doesn't need to be a certification or degree or anything, but having some angle or, or something that's a little bit different, it doesn't mean that you can't just hang a shingle as an editor. Um, but if you have a, a specialty or a certain skill that other editors don't have, I agree, JD, that's a way to differentiate yourself. Right on. Um, let's see, Catherine, did you have an, anything else you wanted to ask us while you're here? I think you're muted again. <laughs> That's okay. Okay. Um, actually, I had that Amazon ad question, so you already answered that. But um, what, what would you suggest? And I guess this really varies, but yeah, if I could afford 10 rounds of editing, I'd pay for 10 rounds of editing. But um, as you kind of go along and you've written a couple of books and stuff, do you need as much? Where can you cut quarters on, on the editing when it comes to a, a financial perspective? Or should you just oh. suck it up and pay forever? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I honestly like I, you know a lot of my books are traditionally published but i still run them through my my own private editors before i even send them off to my agents um I, a lot of it depends on where you are in, in the process I, I don't need a developmental editor at, at this point I, I tend to use beta readers for for that type of feedback um but i don't think anything should have leave my desk anyway unless it's gone through a solid copy edit just because that's not something you can really do on your own oh, yeah. um so yeah. i would never never cut that out um you know if you are if you're at the point where you do need developmental edits you know a lot of times it helps to have that you know voice coming in from left field telling you what you know isn't working 
um, so that you can tweak it. Because if you, if nobody is telling you that, you know, you're going to repeat that same problem in your next book and your next book and your next book. If, if you hire somebody and they walk you through that problem, you come up with a resolution, then you're going to improve on it. And the next time around that problem doesn't exist anymore. And you're that much better for it. Um, you know, I'm lucky I've got James Patterson telling me that kind of thing right now. Um, but you know, if, if he wasn't there though, I, I would probably still be hiring people or using beta readers, you know, very heavily to, to critique. Um, it's, it's always good, I think, to get those opinions. What do you think, Jay? I think the only place I'd cut corners would be on the very mechanical grammatical stuff. Like I might lean heavily more on like pro writing aid as opposed to a proofreader, but I would, I would not cut any corners on, on the, either the developmental or content editing. Yeah. Cool. I, I, I agree. I, I don't think I really have anything else to add there. So, um, I'm going to get one Chris Wills question real quick. And it's Jay and I have kind of answered this, in the, but I want to ask JD because uh, I think his answer will be interesting. We'll start win with this kind of fun one. Um, what is, what writing achievement would you like to be remembered for? <laughs> Number two, New York times bestseller. <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> That's going to haunt I, you till the day you die. I, dude, I, I need to You're get just a, a big number two, JD. I, I need to get a t-shirt with that on there and, and let it, let it go. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm an Aspie. So like every time I accomplish something, I immediately look at it and go, okay, but I could have done this and made it better. You know, so like I, I have a really hard time just, you know, living in the moment and enjoying some of these things with my, my wife constantly reminds me of when, when they happen. Um, so we'll see. I, I think the the noise looks like it's probably going to debut at number one, just based on pre-sales, which, which is awesome. And then I'll finally be able to, to tick that off. Um, I honestly don't know what comes next. Um, you know, I, I'd love to see a movie and TV show and those kind of things. And they're all sort of in the works. Um, but you know, everything's been optioned. Nothing's been made yet. You know, so until I've got my butt in a seat and I'm eating popcorn, it, it hasn't happened. So that's kind of where I'm at. You'll get there. Yeah, you'll, you'll you'll get there. You'll be sitting in your theater with your popcorn, watching one of your movies soon enough. Just just write the next book. Just write the next book. Cool. Yeah. Well, I just don't want to be remembered as a guy who owns a Danzig T-shirt. So um, oh, we're gonna no. end on <laughs> shots fired. <laughs> we're gonna end on that. So Jay, why don't you take us out? All right. Well, to our listeners, make sure you go to writersincpodcast.com and grab the free revision masterclass where you can see the storytelling process from beginning to end. We'll see you next episode and have a great week of writing. Thanks for listening to this episode of Writers Inc. Access the show notes and leave a comment at writersincpodcast.com.